I'm a hustler. Actor creative Carlos Mendoza showcases and talks to a variety of dope and tenacious artists. Let's get it in. Let's get after it. Welcome to Tenacious Talk with Carlos Mendoza. All right, people. Our next guest is a musician, actor, singer, graphic designer, magician, a media consultant, a social media manager, and he's currently popping and hitting it big on Twitch and TikTok. He's also my co-host for another podcast that we call Mindful Meets Messy. And uh, he has his own show on Instagram right now called Media Monday. Hey, everyone, folks. Let me introduce you to... Jonah Price. Wow. I feel terrible now to all my guests because I've never introduced them that well. Never. <laughs> Not once. You sure, man? I'm sure. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty pretty positive I, I got some uh, pointers from you from watching you. Maybe, but I feel like, I feel like you hit a lot of things and I, I just hit like five things maybe at the most, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm over it overdoing it too maybe i'm overly ambitious since these are the the first few episodes of tenacious talks so you know i gotta go big yeah yeah, yeah i feel that i feel that i, li- I, li- I like the concept of this I'm, I'm excited to be here yeah man i'm excited to have you uh how you doing today man uh holidays or holidays are upon us how's that yes, going we for are you? in the middle of holidays uh it's been it's been really interesting being back uh near my family to even be a part of the holidays it's it's stressful. It's uh, great. It's collaborative. My family is very artistic, so it's 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 been very interesting. It's been yes, it's been very interesting to say the least. I don't know exactly how to wrap that all into one, but I feel like family holidays is pretty self-explanatory for everyone. Does does like the insanity come from everyone uh, who's artistic wanting to 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 like create things or is it just a lot of messiness with different minds and perspectives what's uh um i think it has a lot to do with personalities i think it has to do a lot with family dynamic as well as creativity so um there's now that the holidays are here there's a lot of things that people want to get done uh as a family um and so each of us have creative ideas and uh you know, my parents still see us as kids. I see my brothers as adults. And sometimes we see the youngest as like the youngest. So it's, you know, everyone's trying to fight these ideas that have been kind of forced upon us as just growing up together and being kids and being parents. And uh, it's it's always just an interesting dynamic. You know, I'm 28 now. And my dad still talks to me like I'm 12. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that all parents, man? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're always going to see us as kids. Yeah. There's, um, there's actually something I was going to talk to you, whether privately or on here, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad actually said something that I <sighs> kind of hurt a lot. Like I didn't want to hear it. I didn't like hearing it. Mm-hmm. But he caught something that I said, and uh, I said that, you know, I feel like an underdog a lot of the time, right? Mm-hmm. I, have this, I have this tenacity, I have this passion, I have this drive, like uh, everyone's getting in my way. And I think you've noticed a lot of this too. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, an underdog. He goes, okay, if we're going to make that a breed of dog, what breed of dog would be the underdog? 
I was like, I don't know, like a bulldog. And he's like, no, because those, you know, they hold their own. They're probably a midweight kind of dog, right? I'm like, okay, I don't know. And I started thinking about it and like, okay, I think he wants me to say Chihuahua. Right? Like, that's the <laughs> underdog. That's the that's a dog that's going to, you know, have the least of a chance. He goes, yeah, yeah, Chihuahua. I was like, oh, great. Now here comes the lecture. Mm-hmm. He goes, what do we think of Chihuahuas? What do we think of? We think of, uh, you know, annoying, always yappy, loud. I was like, yeah. And it, it and I was I was like gritting my teeth because who wants to be compared to a chihuahua, yo? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, right? I don't I don't know if you've seen Beverly Hills Chihuahua, but that was a dope movie. All my <laughs> all my Latino, all my Latino uh, inspirations, George Lopez and George whatnot. George Lopez, yeah. Let's go. Oh, or even my gosh. Uh, or even what's that uh what's the one that che- uh, Cheech is in? Uh Oliver and Company. If this uh, is yeah. <laughs> if this is torture, Jane me to the wall. Yes, that is the best line in that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he compared me to Chihuahua, and I was I was pretty upset about that. Um, but I, I I shut my mouth. Right, this is like the fact that I was upset that I was being compared to a Chihuahua gave me a sign to like you know what you need to shut up and listen right now because mm-hmm. you don't like hearing this. <laughs> and then I thought about it. And he goes, you know, if big dogs don't have to act like big dogs. People that know what they're doing don't have to act like they know what they're doing. And we were talking about corporate. We've, we've talked about a lot about this in corporate and uh, self uh, starting businesses or self-owned businesses. And they're different perspectives, you know, on corporations, on business. And we've, t- we've talked about this a lot, how business is a lot about the bottom line. Can I get a profit and do does what how I've been getting a profit? Does that work? Because I don't need to change if it if it keeps working. The people that are on the bottom of the totem pole are the people on payroll, you know, and what, what am I going to do? I'm going to make those people fight for their jobs because, you know, it's profiting me. Um, that's that's what capitalism is all about. And uh, and I was like, why? Like, I was questioning a lot about, like, why do I act the way I do? Why do I care the way that I do for, like, other people when I'm working a nine-to-five? And for me, it just comes down to uh, I want to help people. But it's in an environment in which is not meant for that. You know, whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. But the fact that I want to help people and that's my, my end goal desire, it doesn't, it doesn't help within a corporation because the corporation doesn't care that I want to help people. They want to know that they're getting a bottom line. And in our de- uh, in a, a department in which we've worked in, right, it, it, there is no bottom line. There's no profit margin to it. So what, it, what does it end up being about? It then ends up being about like keeping jobs, right? Well, I, I, think, I think you want to help out people your way, right? Not a, I mean, there, there, there are corporations, there are jobs that as a whole do, do help communities and therefore help out people indirectly right right right, right, um right. so i it, it sounds like maybe you just want to you want to do things your own way now when you say underdog i think of i think of uh metaphorically i relate a lot of things to, to sports and when i think of underdog i think of you know a sports figure an athlete having a chip on their shoulder do you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder 
I mean, I feel like I've always I've always been that way because I've always been that type of in sports, especially in, in competition. I've always been the underdog. Right. I started theater when I was 14. I st- um, every time I was on a uh, soccer team, I was I was the new kid on the soccer team, always having to prove myself um, when I was trying to get into magic. You know, um, when I went to the Magic Castle, I was the underdog. I was the one that didn't have mentors. I was the one that had to work on doing this myself and finding my own mentors and finding these places. Um, Yet all these other people, like they had people that they're mentors with. They knew about the castle. They lived in L.A. Um, And so for me, I've always had this chip on my shoulder. I've always had this thing like I'm going to show you that I can do it. Um, Which is, I think, appropriate. I think that's okay. I just do think that it comes with it comes with a downside in how people can see it. Right. And that's what I think I'm learning. And I feel like that's why, again, you talked about social media managing and I've pushed over, I'm slowly pushing over to social media coaching because for me, I want to be able to show people that they can do it on their own. And I don't feel like an underdog there. I know what, I know that business, I know how it works and I know I can help people. And those are things that I don't have to, I don't have to be questioned on. People can question me all they want, but they, in the end, they will know that like I want the best for them, whether that's working with me or not. Right. I let, let let's let's talk about that that spectrum, right? Of of all all the shit that you do. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I listed I listed a handful in in your <laughs> intro just now, uh, but there is a lot more that I also did not mention. Sure. Um, I'm curious because I know that uh, a little bit about your up upbringing and your relationship with your family. Um, And I know that you were homeschooled. Now, what influence has homeschooling had on how you perceive art and and also how you perceive the business? So I grew up in a business. Um, When I was eight years old, uh, my parents opened up a bookstore and that's where I kind of learned a lot about advertising, marketing, and like pushing stuff, being able to sell um, and so homeschooling plays into that because it gave me an opportunity to learn those things, right? If I was, if I wasn't homeschooled, I wouldn't have been able to one graduate early. I wouldn't have known about that. My friends were doing it. So it was very normal for me as well as I wouldn't have been able to play soccer and do theater at the same time. And I was playing on a travel team as well as, you know, doing theater, um, around the, the county. So for me, it was something that opened up a lot of opportunities and it also gave me a dive into what education is. Um, I think a lot of youth don't understand what education is because they're, they have to be in it. So when you're in it, it's kind of just close to your face all the time. And when, and when, so you, you, don't, when, you, when you say be in it, you're, uh, you're referring to like public schooling? Public schooling, private schooling, just the idea of being in a schooling system. The schooling mm-hmm. system, as we've talked about before, is was based on the Industrial Revolution. Basically, the idea in short was we're going to make robots to make robots to make things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's if you think about the school system, right, they use a bell. Why do they use a bell? Because most people couldn't read time and bells were they were using factories. It's it's a common thing that would be used. Yeah, when yeah, you got yeah. I into mean, the system. I mean, for in the industrial revolution, it, they needed people to learn trades. Right? It was it, the 
the new advancement of technology and factories and 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 mm-hmm. all this shit. They they just needed people to learn skills and to learn trade, and that's what school right. school was meant for was to teach people a trade, which is was good for the industrial revolution. Right, right. Now right. being in the information age, when you have that information at your fingertips, there are things that you should learn in school. I think <laughs> you can there's... you can literally learn a trade on YouTube. You can though. That's that's a thing. So these degrees and um the you know these are just pieces of paper. Yeah. And what you get out of that has to be more than that. And you've went to college just like I did and college isn't really about just the education. Like that's that's like a tiny that's a smallish portion of it. I think the bigger portion is the experiences you have and the people you meet and are these people that are going to create lasting relationships for the field that you're going into. Mm-hmm. More so than the actual education cuz I went when, well for me, and maybe it was different for you, is I was working in the industry before I went to the school to get my degree in that industry. Now, when you say the industry, uh, you mean you mean like like uh, the arts, entertainment? What do you mean? I was working in broadcasting. So my 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 degree is in radio, television, and film, and I was working in broadcasting um, before I went for my broadcasting degree, which is mm-hmm. yeah, radio, television, film for mm-hmm. for my school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd done I'd worked with. A little bit of film. I'd worked in a little bit of music. I'd done. I def. I was in TV and I was in radio. So I like. I got to skip classes. I got to do so many things because I was already in the industry. And people was like, "Hey, I got to go to work." And they're like, "All right, cool." Um, and I, I think you miss you miss a lot of these nuances. You miss a lot of that. Uh, how do you how do you approach a situation? When, when you go through the school system. Um, not because you can't learn it in the school system, it's just that much harder because no one wants you to, right? Teachers' jobs are to teach you to a test. Um, and when you're homeschooled, you don't really have those same restrictions depending on who your teacher is, basically who's your parent or who's your tutor. It can, it can change. And it, it, I think a lot of people don't realize a lot of actors, a lot of child actors are actually homeschooled. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they had, they have opportunity because they're not confined to the same restrictions that everyone else is. And, um, I just think the education system's outdated. So that's what I think homeschooling brought for me is opportunity. And that, that type of, uh, of opportunity I'm, I'm assuming was a lot of free time to kind of pursue your own curiosities and, and whatnot. It, yes, I, I rephrase it as uh, you're absolutely right. But I, I did rephrase it as a kid for myself is to uh, filling free time so that you did not have it. The reason why I rephrased it that way was because when I was a kid, um, I said I was bored one time. I can remember only one time. Uh-huh, and my mom uh-huh. said, oh, you're bored. Well, you're going to start pulling weeds with me in the backyard. <laughs> Bro, do you know how many times I said that one-liner and I had to do chores every weekend? Never again. (laughs) Never again. You've got nothing to do? I only remember it one time. Yep. Remember it one time and like... Then, then, as you see, I filled up my skills with all kinds of things. That way I would never be bored. Um, Well, so, so... What what did art mean to you then? I mean, you're I mean, you're you're it, to me, you're very talented musically. You make music, you sing, you produce. You also do the technical side of things. You edit, you direct. Uh, you're a very talented guy. Was did you always have an approach just to like learn these skills because because you had the time, or were they meaningful at any point? 
they were meaningful. Um, I was a middle child, not that that really necessarily means anything, but there is some psychology behind it. Um, my older brother, you know, he was a firstborn, so he got a lot of different, different types of attention, right? Um, and then my younger brother was born when I was eight. So, uh, th- because I was so close to my older brother, there was already this sibling rivalry that we had. So I was already in competition. Now, my, uh, just a f- quick, quick backstory is my older brother had really a lot of trouble reading and I could breeze by stuff. It wasn't because I could actually read is because I was actually dyslexic. So how I read was by basically sight reading every single word. And, um, I would take things in by context. So my older brother could be reading something across the room and five, six-year-old me would shout out the word that he's trying to sound out because he's actually trying to read it letter for letter. And I'm hearing the context of the whole thing. And he might hear like, Jane, uh," and I'd be like, Ron's up the hill, right? Like that was was kind of our dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so... I ended up taking that dynamic with everything I did, which is not really the healthiest way to go about things, but it does, it did give me motivation. Um, And I do appreciate that. I think as I got older, it kind of affected me differently, but yeah, so I juggling, for example, I learned to juggle and I juggle, you know, better than average. Um, And my dad was, you know, juggling, but it was my uncle that was like, oh, well, I can do this. I can bounce it off the wall. I could throw it behind my back. And I was like, oh, well, you think you can do that? I'm eight years old. Let me show you that I'm going to learn this really quickly. And I did. Um, and then soccer, I was competing with my older brother. You know, he had a lot of opportunities. He turned some down and I was like, I'm not going to turn those same opportunities down. I had a choice between, at, I believe my, bro- my dad said at, I think, 12 years old, either no, 12 or 13. At 13, I had to decide either picking basketball or soccer. I love basketball more, but I chose soccer because my older brother had chose soccer. And I knew that I could have more opportunities playing soccer. Um, so for me, it had a lot to do with competition and opportunity. Um, I've always been an opportunist in that sense of like, what's going to drive me? What's going to help me grow? Um, as we relate to the first conversation is sometimes I have to shut up and listen. Um but it, I'm okay with that because it will help me grow and it will help me move forward. I don't ever, I don't ever take the easy thing. Mm-hmm. One of my first jobs was a dishwasher for um, Embassy Suites Hotel, not sponsored. Okay. Um, and I had <laughs> an opportunity. <laughs> I had an opportunity to work at a, like a hunting store, and that was down the street from my house. Mm-hmm. And I got paid. I would have been getting paid like eight eight bucks. And uh, Embassy Suites was paying nine bucks an hour, but it was like 30, 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I took that job because I wouldn't have ever left the other job. I'd just walk there. Right, right. Wouldn't have done anything for me. Two weeks later, I get a job at a grocery store. Boom, took that one because it paid me way more. You know, so, I mean, for me, I've, I've never liked taking the easy road. And I exact I forget exactly what the question was. Oh, you're talking about art. Um, art wasn't wasn't just it wasn't just art. I mean, it was a getaway for me because mm-hmm. I ended up developing all of these talents out of it. But it, it was like competitively 
competitively artistic was my my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because uh, everything I did, I had a competitive edge to it, and then I had to unlearn that. When that com- so that competitive edge really reminds me. I don't know if you saw it, but that Michael Jordan doc that that came out over the I'm summer. Not- uh, I need to watch it. Well, even even if you haven't, right? I mean, Mike is infamously known for for being the most competitive guy alive, right? Mm-hmm. Like his fuel and his daily motivation to destroy and dominate was from was from having an underdog mentality, you know. Since since he was a kid, I mean, his basketball, his high school basketball coach said he wasn't going to make the team. He didn't make the team. Yeah, you know, yeah, I and know so, that story. <laughs> so MJ always had a chip on his shoulder, and that's, I mean, that's that's what made him one of the, the if not the best basketball player ever, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, do, I think as a- do you do, does that do do you have you ever had competition with yourself? You know, there's you, you have that competition to prove people wrong. But has there been moment where you you you've used art to overcome something um, internal? Yes, music's been a great way to do that. Um, when I started writing music, uh, teen angst, you know, is a thing for a lot of us. And, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did I you have first, a, did you have a uh, emo band? I did not have an emo band, but I definitely. <laughs> played emo like music whereas woe is me um i you know everything's everything sucks and that's what life is you know which is true you know like i don't think life is like the greatest thing in the world if you look at it that way Mm -hmm. but also on the flip side of that life can be the greatest thing in the world if you look at it that way it's all a matter of perspective and you as a teenager i was just i was sitting through it man I would do, I would, I would wear black all the time. Not because, because David Blaine, um, not, not because it was emo. Cause I didn't have like eyeliner or anything, but yeah, like I was like, you know, what? I don't, I don't, I want to look at more in black today. This isn't what I usually wear everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I usually wear poppy colors, man. I, I mean, I usually check, check wear poppy colors. If you're, if you're watching, if you're watching this on screen, people, he's got a, he's got a purple background. Uh, I got uh, yellow flood, and flood teal lights. headphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I used to wear black all the time. And it, because I wanted to, you know, when I was in pictures, I just wanted to look ageless. I didn't want to, I didn't want to come off as anything, didn't want to come off as anybody. I just wanted to be it, what I was. Mm-hmm. And then I started, I started theater actually. So I was about 14 and I was kind of going through this phase and I realized like bright, brighter colors made me happy. Um, how am I getting, I'm going to get into how music changed by the way. Uh, so I started wearing brighter colors and made people around me happier. So I thought, why not do the same thing with music? Let's see if that works for me. And, uh, I created a band and the idea was we're going to make San Diego beach pop and only have music. We were only going to have music that was happy and upbeat and uplifting and encouraging. And we did that. And we did that. And so, uh, yeah, that, that definitely helped me 
change my perspective, constantly trying to think of lyrics that were going to be uplifting, constantly trying to think of like, how can I take something that's negative and motivate it to the positive by the end of the phrase? Like that was always, that became my life perspective. It's so interesting. And it's a, it's a thought that I, that I always have, especially as, as I'm getting older. And that thought is, you know, put your focus and put your attention as an artist into, into giving, right. Into giving people Mm. something, whether it's entertainment, knowledge, wisdom, uh, or something meaningful, something profound, something spiritual, put your focus into that because it will come back to you, right? And you giving something to somebody else, that act in in itself creates some some sort of joy, but also like that feeling of like you belong here and you you are you're meant to do this. You're you're right where you're supposed to be. I think that's one thing that is hard for I've noticed it's harder for a lot of people to understand is that you are right where you're supposed to be is that people want something else. And so there was a something on TikTok. Actually, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Um, actually, let me try. I'm going to try. I'm going to see if I can do this off the top of my head. Wanting a positive experience is a negative experience. Acknowledging a negative experience is a positive experience. And man, that hit, that hit really, really hard because desiring a positive experience, I get it. It makes sense. But it's not, it's only half the story, right? When you acknowledge or when you acknowledge that there's negative experiences that are happening, you're able to push through them and move forward. And you're able to uh, get the positive out of that negative experience. But when you do the flip of that and the first part of that phrase and you want, right, a positive experience, you're striving for something you can't have. Isn't that weird? Like, I I feel there's a lot of truth to this saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because you're not making it happen. By wanting it, you're not making it happen. You're longing for something you can't have. But if you, if, you acknowledge, if you acknowledge the negative and you push through it to a positive, then you're actually actively making something positive happen. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way I see it, I, 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 the way I, I kind of process that is, you know, seeing and, and acknowledging negative shit is, to me, is like accepting failure. And failure is delicious. Like failure is needed. That's especially as, as an actor, you know, you fail constantly. And if you focus on desiring something that you don't have yet, you're, you're, you're going to be obsessed and anxious about never getting yeah. it, you know? But when you, yeah. when you accept the failure, you could move on so much quicker because you then become optimistic and you become a problem solver. That's so and then, interesting. And then life yeah. becomes so much more enjoyable when you start solving shit for yourself. What is that, right? Like we are meant as I think as as people, we are meant to solve things, right? And it gives us solving things give us a sense of purpose. Wanting things give us a sense of a lack of purpose, right? 
And so it's like, it's, it's a weird place to be. And when you like want good for yourself, but then like you have to acknowledge like, that's not, that's not it. You're just wanting. It's great. That's, I mean, but you're, you're never going to be fulfilled doing things, doing things will, will start fulfilling that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think doing things and failing and what is it to like failure, right? It's failures of mindset. So you really don't fail. You're just accepting, you know, little, like little setbacks. You're taking learning moments and these things are propelling you forward into uh, a greater cause. And if you realize that those little setbacks are pushing you towards something greater, then it will be greater. But if you sit there and go, I had this failure, and uh, you know it just it just keeps happening, or I can't do anything about it. Th- then you are gonna you're gonna consistently fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, dude. Uh, auditioning in the Bay Area versus auditioning in LA, first of all, is very different. Mm-hmm. I I was a, a big fish, small pond in the Bay Area, right? Auditioning and snagging roles here and there leads leads in theater um that's 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 my background i studied in school i got my degree in theater um and i would get roles back and forth and it, it almost uh, like i i was still humble i i, my, I didn't stroke my mm. ego but i definitely didn't push myself to my potential until i got to la because when i got to la it wasn't as easy uh, I, f- I had failed after I, I failed and failed and failed and failed audition after audition after audition, um, even commercials. I couldn't book commercials in LA. So then I had to reassess and I, I held those things so personal. I was like, damn, I really wanted that one. I really wanted to do that Nickelodeon TV show. You know, they were casting for all that. And yeah, yeah. the casting director liked me. She's like, oh, how, how old are you? Are you speak Spanish too? You have a really great energy. I'm casting for all that. So, uh, so uh, we'll be talking soon. Never talk to me. Never talk to me. That's the producer way, man. That is and, like, kid you not, that's the producer way. Yeah. And, I'll talk to you. And I held and I held on to that. You know, it, I, it made me feel good. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm going to, something's you great gonna, is going to come from this. Nothing crickets for, for a few weeks. And then I had to pick myself up, right? I had to, I had to reassess, be like, yo, Carlos, you, you can't, you can't, be obsessed over this. You can't be hung up on this. You got to move on. And so then I started, you know, problem songs. Like, you know what? I, once I audition, I get in the door, I do my best and not just my best, right? The way I think of an audition is not trying to get the part, but I walk in now with the mentality of I'm giving them a performance because I'm an, I'm an actor. I'm an artist. I'm coming in to give them a performance. And if they think my performance is worthy to work on the project that they're casting, then fuck, we're aligned. Then yep. you know, let's let's be partners, you know? And yep. that's my new mentality. And well, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of actors especially, and I, I used to be this way, is uh, we think of it as a competition, right? I got to do better than so-and-so. I've got to be better than... And the truth is, right, it's subjective, man. And we've learned this so many times where you're like someone gets a role and you're just like what the heck were you thinking but it's not our choice that's what ultimately comes down to it's not our choice and it's really difficult especially right now we're looking at a society in which there is uh racism in the industry there's racism Mm -hmm. sexism in the industry it's it's not a that's not going to go away 
unfortunately it can't because everyone has a biased perspective and i in one sense we have to play with that as well as we have to fight it at the same time it's 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 such a paradox in that sense Mm -hmm. because what is it about it's about a look and if they like you it could be you could have the greatest acting ability you could have the crappiest acting ability but it's really it's a look if they like your look and if if everyone can agree that they like you like that's it I mean, Anakin Skywalker, look at all the Anakin Skywalkers of the prequels. <laughs> look at Mark Hamill. He wasn't the best actor for Luke Skywalker. It's it, it, it's not about if you are the greatest. And you should still strive to be the greatest. As an artist, we should. But just because you're striving for that in a subjective industry doesn't mean you're going to get the role. And it sucks. And it is, So, yeah, I think having that perspective, man, is, is such, such a relief for us as artists to be like, you know what? I'm an artist. And you know what? I knew I did that art. Well, whether you like it or not, I did it well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think our version of success and our version of, of, um, of doing great is really just up to us. It, we can't, we can't put that pressure uh, outside of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We can't depend on others telling us that we're good or, our art is great. We can't depend on others. We have to accept that we have something to offer and we just have to love that we have that something to offer. And the more you offer it up and more people can see it, yeah. the yeah. better your chances are of getting something. You know? yeah. uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Either, either you offer it up or you make it yourself and offer it up. You know, I was, I, I was going to mention, you know, you, you mentioned like racism and all the, these social injustices, you know, uh, I mean, they, they've always been around, uh, mm-hmm. but with, you know, with social media, with the internet, with just the world, with every, everyone having a camera, these things are more <laughs> the limelight than ever, you know? Right. Um, and so I think there's an opportunity like th- that, that can all change. It can change. I, I, I would debate you and that it can change and the way it can change and the way it can continue to get better because I think it has been getting better. It can yes. continue to get better by people like us writing our own stories, right? That's, that's the way it can change. Creating <laughs> our own screenplays, our own scripts. There, there's, there's two things I think that need to happen, right? In order for it to change completely, and I, the reason why I said that is because there's a lot of people that, are, that aren't of color that are in control of the industry, and there's, there's just a lot of them. Um, one of the few people that, uh, that kind of has made his own um, is T- Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. He he built his own thing away, like separated himself from the industry to build his own studio. That way he could pump out his own stuff. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, it's in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, but, Atla- Atlanta's like, popping right now too. People of color need. We need more. And so the only way we can do that is if we can saturate the industry, which is going to be very difficult. Um, I, I think we need one of the biggest things that we need scripts that we can do as people of color that have nothing to do with color. We need scripts that do have things to do with color. We need all of it. We need the diversity of the stories that we can tell to be told. And um, that is the only way it's going to happen. It's just, you know, if it, if, if it does happen, it's going to take a really long time because you have to beat the bureaucracy. Um, one of the biggest bureaucracies I think that we have is 
uh, the ra- the rating system, the PG, mm-hmm. you know, PG thirteen, all that. We don't know who they are, and usually they're really conservative, um, not people <clears throat> of color. Um, they're hidden in secret. There's a whole thing, right? I don't know if you've seen the documentary on that. I haven't. No. Well, what's it called? Uh, I do not know what it's called, but I can probably get it for you. It's it's uh, it's the the same group of people who like nominate for the like Academy Awards and all that, right? I actually, I think it is. Okay. It's it's pretty insane, like the mm-hmm. the gr- tight knit group this is. It's the, and that, the it's, they call it the Academy. I think it's the Academy, and it which is different from SAG, right? Because there's a SAG Awards, and yes. basically, if you're a SAGy, if you're if you're a SAG actor, then you can vote. So right. Right. I'm 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 shy a few credits of being a SAG actor. Once I get those credits and I become SAG and I pay my dues, my union dues, then I could vote participate yeah. participate yeah so that's it, so that's it, different and it's 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 just kind of a it's a messed up way to have a rating system i think honestly we're getting to a point where it, it's it's not one it's not there's no democracy in it there's no diplomacy in it it's all about a select few it's about the one percent and i don't again i don't know who these people are i don't know they're they're hidden very well uh and it's it's just it's kind of an insane way to go about things, um, and it, they prevent a lot of things from getting out there mm-hmm. because of like mm-hmm. whatever they want. And it's like how do we how do we base a system off of that? And they've been trying to the MP is it the MPPA is that what it's called? I think that's the yeah, system or I something like so. that. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So if you want to look into that, anybody listening or watching. Go look into that. You can find out how secretive our rating system is in, in the U.S. Well, w- it's insane, Jonah. When it comes to to you as an artist, when it comes to you know creating, producing, writing those scripts versus you know being the limelight, for instance, you've yeah. written music, you've written and produced and performed your your own music with with a band and with you know individually with yourself mm-hmm. versus having lead roles in musicals like in the heights where you played benny uh, a few times actually you've had one of the lead roles um out of those two which situation is more rewarding as an artist you know it's got to be doing your own stuff doing my own music because i still feel like i haven't played benny to the way it's supposed to be played (laughs) i feel so dissatisfied with it I watch other people play it and I'm like, oh man, I just, I need to do more. I need to do this. I need to do that. I didn't do this last time. And I'm, I'm trying to be in that competitive edge, right? I'm trying to hold to a standard that I probably will never, as an artist, you're not going to ever reach. Mm-hmm. But when you play your music, it's back to that giving, right? You're giving something of yourself. Now it's a very vulnerable thing to do, but it also can be very rewarding when you get the response that people connect with it. If you if you're willing, man, I'd I'd love to hear something that maybe oh. you've you've written that you've put together. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, I uh, this song that I wrote. Um, I'd lost my job. I just got I'd gotten a new one by the time I wrote this song, and uh, my friend had gotten a new job. He was a part of the band at the beginning, and then he kind of left like in the middle. Um. And he was living in his car. I ended up living in my car like right after this, not too long after this. Uh, So, yeah, this is uh, going with the flow. 
I mean, let me make sure I got the chords right, by the way. My music is just an art that may never pay, but it lives within my heart and gets me through the day. Singing out, oh, 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 I don't know where to go. Oh, 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 just going with the flow. See, I drove to Mission Bay just to clear my head. Yeah, I lost my job today. And I lost my bed, so I live in my car. Gotta make my way. The music's in my soul, so I let it play. Singing out, oh 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 oh, I don't know where to go. Oh 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 oh, just going with the flow. Oh 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 oh, I don't know where to go. Oh 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 oh, just going with the flow. only teach guess it's nothing new strumming moonlight beach and that's where I met you see you give me your heart and I gave you mine I knew this was a start till the end of time singing now oh 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 I don't know where to go oh 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 just go with the flow oh 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 I don't know where to go. Oh, 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 oh. Let's go with the flow. I think I played that totally out of tune, but wow, I could I couldn't notice, man. That uh that was an amazing, amazing song. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Really? Yeah, man. That's yeah. uh that's a I could hear that. No lie, I could hear that on the radio, man. You know, yeah, I want to do more with it. Again, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten out to. There, I think that's it. There we go. Yeah, I haven't gotten to get in a studio and record it. And uh, it's a summer song, man. It's it's one of those things I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, as people that want to be independent, like it's kind of a coming of age. It's a little bit of a love story. Um, and it, it captures like, I feel like twenties or like late teens, like really quickly, you know, there was, there, there was one bar in there that really, really caught my attention. And I think is, is really universal. And it's the, uh, you know, the, my art may not pay, but mm-hmm. it, it lives inside of my heart, so I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep gets, on gets me through the day. And it gets know? me yeah, it gets me through the day. I'm gonna keep on doing it. Um, yeah, um, I, I I think I think man, I think that's a reflection of who you are as an artist, and you know what you were saying earlier of how it's meaningful to you. It's it's one of those things, man. Uh, that without art, I don't know what I would do with myself because. 
Um, like my parents, when I was a kid, my parents would throw out everything. And one of the things that I didn't want them to throw away was my art. And it wasn't like it was the best art is just like that to me was a representation of me in that moment without a picture, right? Pictures tell a thousand words, but art shows you something a little bit different, right? It shows you the intricacies of what you knew. It shows you your experience. It shows you your wisdom. It shows you your like time that you took it shows you your character your uh, your personality art does that it, it expresses all of that um and it it can be a six-year-old painting and like you you can look at that and go i was six and i can i can remember what that was like i can I can see my six-year-old hand painting this or drawing this. <laughs> I don't that know. Means something to me. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know, <laughs> when you're when you're talking to your significant other, family, friends, or you know, some, someone special to you, and you just can't communicate how you're feeling or, or or expressing your joy or your frustration or any type of emotion, it, it's it's in your gut, it's in your head, but it just it won't come out in articulate words yes but when i'm on stage or when i'm in front of a camera and i put my focus onto another character i project myself into something i project myself into an expression some sort of artistic expression it, it it's created it's manifested i'm able to manifest what i want to communicate I think that goes for me. I feel this is for me personally. I feel like that goes back into uh, we've talked about this being put put inside a box so you can think outside of it. Is that when we when we have all the tools and we can use any of the tools and we're we're trying to express something. We we have no no guideline to express that. And then when we're given a character and we're given a script. And I, I, and I work outside the script all the time, unfortunately. Um, but we're given a guideline to work by. And then we go, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that differently. Uh, because this is, this is it. This is, this, is, this is the thing. This is what I need to express. This is how it works. And we have those epiphanies. It's because we are given those restrictions in which we can work outside of them. Um, and like, I feel like you're, you're one of the best people for me to speak to often because you have words that I can't seem to get out of my head or you have a way to say it, which is much more poetic and much more concise than what I have. Um, because for me, and you know me very well, I'm very, I'm very upfront, like direct person. I will just, I will just cut to the chase and be like, okay, you didn't have to do it that way, Jonah. Um, but I do that all the time. And sometimes that tact is just lost because I'm tired of like dealing with finding tact. But then sometimes like it prevents me from being able to have that expression that I want because I'm so stuck in a different box, you know? Yeah, I think... I think this is so important to talk about, especially now with, with, you know, with COVID going on and people being shut indoors and not being able to express themselves. I mean, isolation is such a horrible thing for, for people's mental health and, yeah. and, and, and emotions and just, um, state of being. 
Mm-hmm. In in times like this, Jonah, during these COVID months, how have you kept yourself inspired? Uh, working, uh-huh. even, I like, you know? I like, I like that you said inspired rather than keep yourself from going insane. I feel like that's <laughs> such, a, such a more positive outlook on it. And I think addressing both of how I've kept myself inspired is by having gone in for me insane in some, some sense, right? Um, I had a mental breakdown during this COVID thing. There was a lot of stresses. I had a lot of stresses from work. I had a lot of stresses on my own expectations. I had a lot of stresses in my relationship. I have a lot of stresses in my family relationships. Um, I had a lot of, then 2020 was like, you know, 2020. So all of those stresses coming in at once broke me as a person. Um, and I realized that I'm limited, which was good. I think that was good. Not that I needed to be broken the way that I did, but like the fact that I, from that, I got that I was limited. Can you, can you pinpoint, because, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of young people too, that always hear that anecdote, right? Like all, all these things have compiled and have broken me down, but can you pinpoint that one thing where you felt like you couldn't go anymore, that you couldn't breathe. Was it, was it a day? Was it, was it two days? I mean, what, if you can, if really pinpoint it and, and articulate for, for those who, who can relate. So yeah, there isn't, there isn't one thing. It's, it's a buildup of things. And I think as one of those people that have been strength for other people, because I'm, I'm a giving type of person, you lose sight of the fact that you're limited. And so you let those things build. So um, COVID happens. And uh, for me, I said, hey, uh, to my girlfriend, I'm like, hey, you can live with me. That was a stressor. That was something I th- thought was too soon. You build on that, right? And uh, you have the uh, political environment and the fact that people are being now, instead of covertly racist, which isn't comfortable, are being overtly racist. Um, And then they're defending their racial ideals. And then you have that happening on Facebook. And then you have, uh, for me, which was a turning point to speak out, was you have people uh, in my broadcasting world that are being tear gassed so that the media outlets can't show what's actually going on in the streets during these social justice protests, that there are peaceful protesters that are being tear gassed. And then on top of that, my relationship's not going well. And everything that I was scared of happening starts happening. And then on top of that, um, my, my, my gr- grandmother is sick. Um, And then, you know, you have just the stress of the world and it's all coming down at once and you feel like you can't do anything. You feel that there is nothing in which you can do to make your situation or make anyone else's situation better. And at that moment, I felt alone. And so it was at that moment I realized that I'm limited. And when you realize that you're limited, it gives you, it gives you uh, a, a little bit of an option. And you can either choose to be limited by that, by the fact that, or you can work within that. 
And what does that do? It makes you start to establish boundaries and it again, like people like us create solutions. Um, and so the first thing that you have to do is you have to acknowledge the negative. And that's, I had to do that. And I, I have to still do that today to constantly look at myself at that negative. And so you ask, what's, how do I keep myself inspired? I have to go back to the beginning on what made me inspired in a healthy way. And what were those things? Helping people, inspiring others, encouraging others, being a support system to others. Um, and I think what's helped me the most is people um, sharing that support with me. I think that's been integral to the healing process is that I know that as bad as it gets, there are people out there that want better for me. And if, if I don't want better for myself, I can rely on something to get me through that one set, one, that one moment where I think that I'm not good enough, that split second to go, you know what? There are people, they may not be counting on me, but they, they want better for me. And in yeah, that man. sense, I feel like, you know, people do count on me. They want, because they want better for me, they're counting on me to do better for myself. You, know? you do deserve the best, man. You, you, you deserve all the best, bro. You're, you're a human being, you know? We, we all deserve joy and happiness and, 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 and being, being fruitful within our lives and being prosperous and all those great things, you know? You do right. deserve all those things. Um, so I don't know if that got too deep for this time. No, no. <laughs> I mean, th th that was great. One, one thing I... I I want to explore if you're willing is how, how have you reached out to, to serve others? Like what has that actually looked like? Um, so a TikToker put up on her TikTok, like, Hey, you, you want to be a social media manager, go out and just start giving advice. See if it works for people, give that advice. And so I started media Mondays because I've been a mentor and I've been a counselor to people in media before I was actually even in media. Um, and so because that's works, that's been very helpful to me and been like what I take pride in and I really enjoy, I started Media Mondays. And that was, that was the start of the healing process. I kid you not. That's the one thing I look forward to each week that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do media Mondays. If no one shows up, great. If people show up, great. If I don't have a guest and I can find a guest, great. If I can't find a guest, we're going to do it. It's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. And um, I'm going to start writing like shows on my own because I noticed that I'm starting to acquire a lot more information about struggles that people are having with social media and people are having with media in general. And... Uh, because I put myself out there, I'm starting to get feedback to be able to have a full show on my own, not have to talk to someone else. Not that I don't like talking to other people. It's just, 
I'm realizing there's 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 an accumulation of knowledge that's happening that I'm getting from everyone that either be, ends up being the same or ends up being different that people need to hear. And um, I've been excited to share that and share other people's stories within media. And so that's one way that I feel like it can help. Also, I feel like in the media industry, there's a lot of people that really don't know what to do right now. There's There's a lot of people that are scared because... You know, we've been here for like nine months now and actors are out of jobs and they're having to work at Starbucks or whatever. And they're like, am I ever going to be able to get back to my art? And the truth is you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to. And I want to be able to give people like clear ways to not have to, to be able to do what they enjoyed doing and maybe nuance it or teach it or like be able to do something else with it because we're in, we're in the wild west right now. And the Wild West is always scary, right? Anytime there's unrest of social unrest or there's, you know, a pandemic, it's going to be scary because we're not, it's, it's not peaceable. It's not peaceful. I think, I think more than ever, and we, we, all, we have seen it already is, you know, let's say you're an actor and that's all you've been doing. During this pandemic, you've seen a lot of actors learn new skills and create their yeah. own opportunities because they've had to out of necessity. They're mm-hmm. not but they're not acting jobs right now. There are some, but not for everyone. It was already yeah. it was already saturated and tough enough. And now most things that are filming, most high budget or medium budget things are for A-listers or B-listers, right? Yep. There's still the whole whole other groups of actors that um that are out of work. And so, I mean, you're starting to see it. Um creators, artists of of not not just actors, but all types of artists and and creators have started to create their own social medias and uh TikToks and Instagrams and what and not only that, but websites and selling merchandise and teaching online and starting courses and I mean, you name it, it's happening. Yep. What would your advice be to an actor that needs and wants to head in that direction? Obviously because of, you know, financial reasons. Sure. But it but it feels too overwhelming because they're just out of their league. What would you say to them? There's two things that you need to discover about yourself. And you need to really sit down with yourself and look at these genuinely, objectively, and not put your emotions in it. Okay? There's there's, that's a lot. That's a lot to talk about. But like you really, really right now, you don't have time to put your emotions in how you feel about it. What are you good at? That's the first thing you need to acknowledge. Is what are you good at? And can you do that? Right. So those, those are the two things with that. The second thing is um, research. Research if you can do that and how to do that. So education, 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 I will say it a bazillion times. Education doesn't have to be in school, (laughs) but you need to educate yourself. You need to know exactly what you're doing and what you want to do and then how to do it. Those are, that's how you start. And you have to look at yourself objectively. Don't think of what you like doing um, in the sense of like, I like this, but I'm not good at it. No, no. What do you like that you're good at? Those, those two things together, you'll be fine. But you, you, if you keep on looking at it like, oh, well, I want to make money, you're not going to make money. Because right now, people don't, don't have money to give you. 
they don't. Um, so if you want to do that, go work a nine to five job like you are doing or you're not doing or whatever. You're going to have to find that. Uh, but if you want to still enjoy it, like you want to still do the acting or you want to do something that you enjoy and you want to not do the nine to five because you want to be set up, you know, when this pandemic's over or whatever, then you have to look at what you can do and what you enjoy doing. And then you got to research how to do that. Um, the thing is you can do it, but people, again, people don't have money to give you. So why are they going to give you money? They're going to give you money because they like you and they want to support you. So what does that mean? That means you have to build a community since you have to build a community around of what you do and you have to be encouraging, inspiring and feed that community. You have to be able to and, do that. And right now the biggest tool to build a community is social media. And I want to, yeah. I want to advocate for you and, and just right off the bat say that uh, your social media advice is working. I've taken it <laughs> myself. I started my TikTok promoting and advertising this podcast. And within the first week, like it's, it's been popping off. I know you've given, you've given, um, TikTok advice to, uh, to other, uh, other mutual friends who have thousands and thousands of, I, I don't even know what the number is now. Maybe, maybe you, 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 you might know. I think it's like 200,000 for one, another couple thousand for another. Yeah. It's been, and so, yeah. and so, and so you, what you're advising and what, what you're teaching is working and not just that, but you've also helped me think of branding ideas and marketing ideas for, for this podcast and, um, just a, just a great person to, to bounce ideas off. So these things are working and I, I, the way, the way I like to look at what you're saying is, you know, to someone who, who is looking to, to build kind of their own hustle is that that, that is a long-term thing. It's not, it's not a short-term no. return on gain. It's not going to happen quick. If, if you're looking for a short-term, short I agree, go, go get a nine-to-five job, right? But if, you, if you're wanting to invest on yourself and build on yourself as an artist, and if you're just an actor or just a director, just an editor, you want to build on that, then invest in in what we're talking about in, in the ways that we're talking about right now. Well, I think yeah, there's 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 short term things that you can do, right? You can flip things, you can try to sell things, you can do you can do all of that. It's 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 what do you want to do? Like what again? We've talked about this a lot. Quality of life. What do you want? If you want to do that, go ahead and do that. I'm not going to stop you. But if you want to still like engage in the empathy, if you still want to engage in those things that are making you an artist. Um, depending on how you're going to do it, you can still do art. There's still things that you can do art, but the only way that you're going to make money from doing those arts is by building communities, right? So it's not, it's not saying that you can't, you can't go do something that's, you know, that you're good at, that you don't really like very much that you're not going to be able to flip a buck. If you do that again, still education, got to research it, figure out how to do it. Um, one of the things that I'm doing right now is, but I love it is Pokemon cards at some point. I'm going to have to sell Pokemon cards. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't just keep collecting Pokemon cards without getting rid of Pokemon cards. Let's, we, but, we, need to, we need to fill in the gaps for people. <laughs> uh, Jonah has accumulated thousands. I, I'm, actually, yeah. I'm I, don't gonna, even, I haven't even counted I'm pretty yet, sure it's thousands. It's, it's, 
it's thousands be, of Pokemon cards, like yeah. brand new. Like he's bought brand new Pokemon. I swear, people, <laughs> literally, like every other day, he has a new jumbo like Costco pack of so, Pokemon okay, cards. Hey, look, I'll even show you. I got, I got another, another pack. If oh, you're not, if you're not watching on video, one. folks, he's pulling, he's pulling up like a yeah. cradle of Pokemon cards right now. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was a four pack. Okay, it's four booster packs. It's it. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, so I started doing that. I, it, so it wasn't an accident, actually, how how I started to get back into it. Because I wanted to get back into Pokemon. Uh, we'll just do this just a really quick side note. is uh, I bought a booster box because Logan Paul bought a booster box on and opened them on stream. So I was like, I did a Twitch. And I was Logan like, Logan Paul's an uh, influencer, yeah? Yeah, YouTuber. YouTube YouTuber. influencer. Uh, if you like him, you're a maverick. Anyways, um, he opened a first edition base set of Pokemon cards, which is like the rarest set of Pokemon cards out there. And he opened it up. And I was like, I want to open one up. So I bought a vintage set, so a, a set that looks like the old cards. And I started opening up mine up on stream, on my Twitch stream. And that got like a following. People started watching it. People started coming back. And so I bought another box set and I couldn't buy the same one because that one went up in price by like 300 bucks. So I ended up getting another set and I started opening these on stream. And then it became like a thing, like people wanted to see me open up Pokemon cards on stream. And I was also playing online. And so that kind of like fed into the addiction of buying Pokemon cards. Because as a kid, you know, it was a special thing if we could get a booster pack. And they're still like $2.99, three bucks, $3.99, you know? Um, which kind of seems like like really cheap then. Like like why didn't we get more? But whatever. I'm not, you know, I can't I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna argue why the past didn't happen the way it did. But yeah. Uh so yeah, eventually I'm gonna have to sell some. And yeah, there's there are things that you can do. You can flip things and uh, do do be aware though, if especially if you're gonna get in the collector community, um, and you're buying up you know, like Pokemon cards and you're buying all the Pokemon cards from a target. There are people that are not going to like you. Do realize that if you're flipping things, I get that you got to do your hustle, but understand the collection community is not going to be your friend. Right. Just, just know I'm in a bunch of collection communities and they've outed me. Like they've like come at me thinking that I'm an investor or something when I'm literally, I'm a collector. (laughs) Right, Um, right, right. And so just, 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 just know that. Um, if you do as an artist though, one thing that I think you need right now is, is social media. And the biggest thing right now is TikTok. I think, I think also right now more than ever, like people got to do what they got to do, man. I am, yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm, true. I, I, I'm definitely a fan and advocate of that. You got to do what you got to do. No, like no lie, no, no, joke. no hard feelings. Again, you, you yeah. got to do your hustle. Yeah. So I'm saying yeah. just, just yeah. be aware, be aware of what your hustle where, where it's going to affect your life, you know? When, when it comes to hustling and pushing through and, you know, really not relying on those, ga- I, I reference this a lot, not relying on the gatekeepers to give you opportunity, to give mm. you handouts. Mm-hmm. And by gatekeepers, I mean like, you know, casting directors, Hollywood, uh, theater uh, directors, yep. the, the gatekeepers that literally hold the key to you getting a role or getting an opportunity or whatever artistically, right? Right. I think um, that 
to keep up that hustle and to search and create for your your own opportunities, you need you need a, a community and a tribe of like-minded people, and not just like-minded, but people who are better than you, people who push you to do better, people who teach you things. Um, mentors, you know? For you, Jonah, who who's someone who's been inspirational? Uh, in your life, an inspirational teacher, a mentor, someone that you always turn to when you really need to? Uh, well, <laughs> so you're one of those people, straight up. Like, to get through a lot of, like, corporate stuff, to get through just some of like, my life stuff, uh, you're definitely one of those people that I've come to a lot about so many things. And um, we've had we've had a lot of discussions and talks, and they've gotten heated, and then you know, we, we figured it out. We always find a way to balance it out. And that's what I like about our conversations is that we can go against each other. We can see, you know, different sides to something yet still come to a medium ground where we understand each other. Um, with that, my dad is another one. I hate hearing things from him. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, but sometimes it's just something I need to listen to. Right. Um, even though he does treat me sometimes like I'm 12 years old. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of people that I, I keep around me are people that care about me, but push me. So my goal always is, it's, it's never to be the smartest person in the room. When, when I look for friends, I don't look for friends. I look for family, people that are willing to push me, that, that, that aren't just going to be there for the time being because it's cool and fun to hang out with me. People that are going to challenge me and say, look, you don't really know what you're talking about to go, hey, look, you are kind of messing up in this area or you're messing up in this area. Um, you're being too loud. You're talking too much. You know, those things, I need those things. Because for me personally... I know I'm a lot to handle as a person. I'm a big personality. And uh, the only way I think I can get through life isn't by pushing people like that aside, is actually having those people nearby to be able to push and direct that energy somewhere, right? Because like I, I could be all over the place. I could be, we, we've talked about this and I do so much. So where where's my energy focused? And I, I've been talking to you, you helped with this too. You helped with Media Mondays too, right? Focusing it in on one thing, media. Media encompasses all those things that I like to do. And at the same time, it focuses it in a specific direction. And uh, the, m my mentor is literally life in the sense of like the people that come into my life and the people that end up being, stepping out of my life that teaches me a lot. And I know that may sound generic or may sound cliche, but I really, really, really do believe if you look for a lesson in everything that you go through, that teaches you the most, you know, mm -hmm. there can be specific people like you or my dad or, um, you know, my friends and, uh, even, even like, uh, I met the co-founder of, uh, Siri, you know, these, uh, use magic mentors and they're, they're all, they're all great mentors. And at the same time, life gives you those. And then you have these people validating it, right? These, I think a lot of the things that we take lessons from, we kind of already know. 
somewhere like we've we've learned it before. We we just need to be reminded sometimes. I'm not saying everything. There's things that we can learn that are brand new. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of lessons we we already know what we should be doing. <laughs> but sometimes we we just need a reminder because we're not perfect, you know. What's uh what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned artistically uh over over the summer, <clears throat> especially with you know how COVID has been so um so so huge in our lives and played a huge role in our lives. I'm going to say the first one that came to my head, which is the same one that I keep on having to be reminded of, is that you know nothing. Not you, but me personally, I know nothing. Um, not in the sense of like, it's just a saying that I, that I repeat. Not that I don't know anything, but rather that you always have something to learn. So as much as you know, you really don't know as much as you think you know. Um, and that, that, that translated over the summer because there's all of this stuff um, with uh, my day job um, and I just reference that, my day job, that there's things that I can prepare for, even though I know it. Right, I know it back and front, up and down, and side to side, everything. I I can't know what other people are going to do, and that's not my business. You know, sometimes it's just not your business, and you remembering like constantly that you know you, you don't know, you don't know everything, and that's okay. All you can do is do your thing move on, you know, and you, you got to do it your way. You got to do it the way that you feel like you, you have to do it. And I kind of want to, I, okay I, I, I kind of want to ask you to, to, to be a little bit more descriptive because, because how you're saying it, it is a little bit of has cryptic, All right, it, well, you know, I, I kind of, for, for, for the listeners, I, I just, you know, I, I want to see if you could break it down. Let's uh, break it a down bit. a little bit, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, Digital media is something that I've grown up in, basically. So uh, ever since I was like 19, I've been doing digital media. Ever since I was 16, I've been doing, you know, short films and stuff and entering competitions and stuff. So like the digital medium is something that I know pretty freaking well. The company that I was working for moved to digital media. Um, there was a lot of things that I could help with. There's a lot of things that I've done for this company that I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I can, I can do more for you. Um, and that was shut down like hard in many different ways constantly and understanding i don't i don't know anything i mean in the sense like i don't know what they're going through it doesn't matter i mean it doesn't it, in one sense it doesn't matter for me because it still doesn't help but at the same time like it's not my job it's not my job to care um from an artistic perspective also like i don't know anything i don't know as much about the art as i think i know right there's so much more i can learn so if if i've topped out right with this company or another company i gotta go learn it somewhere else you know so striving for that like you don't know anything go go learn go get go get that education like push yourself to do something about it you don't know do something about it and i don't know i know that sounds really like harsh like over the mic but like in my head i have to tell myself like that like i gotta i gotta push myself to learn more. I got to push myself to do something new. I got to push myself to get uncomfortable. I do not like complacency. I need to, if I'm feeling complacent, something is wrong. Um, so 
you don't know, Jonah. You don't know everything. So go find it. Go find out what you don't know. Um, and artistically, I think that that's, that's been a blessing. And um, in the sense of like, I have been able to discover new things about myself. I've been able to discover new talents that uh, I actually thought I didn't know how to do and found out I did know how to do. Um, graphic design is one of them. I, like, like I've always been a graphic designer, but I didn't think that I could do portraits, graphic design portraits. I didn't think they'd be meaningful. I didn't think anyone would like them. And then that became a thing. People liked them. Um, so yeah, I think just trusting the fact that you don't, you don't know as much as you, you think you do. Um, do you, do you, do you have an end goal as an artist? Like, have you, have you mapped out some sort of bucket list or, or end point to, to your, to what you want to do with, with your career or not even just a career, but with, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With what, you, what do you want to, how you want to live your, your lifestyle, your life as an artist? I want to live my life, you know, on the Caribbean islands, just chilling, looking out at the <laughs> coast and thinking, wow, that was great. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that sounds nice. That sounds, that sounds nice. nice. Doesn't sound great. Um, sounds like something I would do. <laughs> for real though, right? Like you, you'd be like, I'm going deuces. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I think I think what I want to do is 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 I'm I'm a teacher at heart. I care for people, but also I, I I'm a very direct person. And I'm not, I don't BS people. So I want, and I've told you this before. Like my end goal is to create a school of artists to be able to teach art at a very like high level. But the thing is, like, I want to be able to bring in students of all ages like uh, one i want to be bring teachers of all ages of all diverse backgrounds to be able to like hey here's how you hold a camera here's how you shoot here's like all that stuff and here's why we shoot this way and here's how we shoot this way and also teach there's no wrong answers right um so that's kind of my perspective is bring a school get get kids that just want to learn this art and then be able to educate them like whether it be math, science, you know, writing um, through the art, right? Writing English is something we have to learn. And guess what? We can teach that through art. Math is something we have to learn. And we can teach that through art. Science, we have to learn. And we can teach that through art. Biology, right? We can teach all this through art. Why are we going and taking books and getting kids over the head with them saying, sit here, read it, listen to how I'm going to teach you. We're going to teach to this test. It doesn't make any sense to me. Art is something we need as people, as creatives, as to move forward in, in society. It's something we need. It makes us human. It's part of what makes us human. And we can teach all the stuff being in the information age. We can teach all that stuff through art now. So that's what I want to do. I want to be able to teach all this through art and with artists that want to teach that way, you know, that also aspire to those same ideas, being able to give people, you know, character, develop character. We don't do that in schools. We don't develop character in schools. So uh, we don't do it. We don't do it with uh, tutoring for child stars, right? We look at Lindsay Lohan. We look at Justin Bieber. You know, we look at Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, you know, things happened. Amanda Bynes, these people like had opportunities that no one else had and it ruined them because they didn't have the ability 
to have character. It's it's not that they couldn't have learned it. It's that they're more easily to manipulate when they don't have it, you know, and it's not fair to them. And I don't want that to happen to anyone else. So that would be my end goal is that I would really love for a school to be able to teach people character, to be really focused on um, our future, our youth and care about how they conduct themselves and give them the knowledge of the business so that they do not get abused. Do you think that's that chip on the shoulder that you hold? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. I mean, I feel like in some senses, like there was hazing that I had to go through. There's things that I had to go through. There's opportunities that I did not have because my parents weren't rich. I mean, we, I think a lot of it, we pretended to be as middle class as we could. There was a lot of, I mean, we had more opportunities than a lot of other kids had because, you know, uh, my dad, like busting his butt working three jobs you know not going to sleep you know so working seven days a week um and he did that to give us as the most comfortable life we could have had and with him seeing him do that right i still have that same mentality i know what he went through i know when he came home it didn't like just i i don't think as a kid, I was like, oh, well, I deserve anything. I was entitled to anything because I knew where it came from. And uh, it doesn't mean that I didn't have, you know, access to a lot of things that other people didn't. Um, but also, like, I understand the struggle. Uh, even though if I didn't have to go through it the same way, I understand that people have to go through that struggle. And so how can we, how can we help that? How can we get people that, like are in low income areas that have talents to get an opportunity to express them. How can we help them gain character so they don't have to go through the same things that their parents went through? There, there's many ways. And one, I think the biggest way to connect people, whether it be in prisons or in low income areas or high income areas, the biggest thing that can connect us is art. Because when we look at art, we look at it. We don't look at each other. We see something that's greater than both of us. Mm. we don't care about how it was created most of the time mm. the only way we care about how it's created is if we look at the person that created it that's the only way we care and so yeah anyways sorry I, get I, off I, my soapbox no, no, down. I think I, I think that out of everything you just said you created this beautiful metaphor that I just absolutely love is that when art is there we don't look at each other we look at it and when we look at something, we put our focus onto that, we take it in, we process it, and then we turn to each other and have a conversation as opposed to starting off at each other, pointing fingers, you did this, you did that, fuck you, fuck you. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tool that we can use to connect, which what I absolutely love. What I think we also do too with art is we project ourselves onto it and we make our, and, and what I mean by that is we put ourselves in it and make ourselves, we're able to make ourselves vulnerable through it. It doesn't matter who created that art, but we can, we can find a re representation in ourselves and describe it, or we can, we can feel a type of way about it. Art, I, as I was told, art isn't supposed to make us feel the same when you walk in to walk out, art makes us feel different. 
and I, and, and I feel part of that is because we want different for ourselves. Mm. And so when we look at art, whatever it may be, we, we, we project ourselves onto it because we want to see that better for ourselves. Now, I could be totally talking philosophical and this could all be bullshit what I'm saying. But <laughs> I honestly believe that art is the one thing that connects us through this vulnerability that we can't, we have a hard time doing on our own. In one word, what is art to you? I had a different definition because we've talked about this before and I had a different definition coming into this podcast than I do right now after having the conversation. And I think the one that I have now coming after the conversation is more important than the one that I had, whatever the one I had was before. The one word, if I say art is, art is hope. That's beautiful, Jonah, man. It's, it's always an absolute pleasure picking your brain, listen, listening to, to your strong uh, and vulnerable opinions. Um, I learned so much just from, just from bullshitting with you, but I also learn a lot of, uh, a lot of your character and a lot of your, your struggle and uh, a lot of what you're trying to say from, from mediums and platforms like this. So for most people who don't, who don't know this, you actually introduced me to podcasting. Um, this is actually one of the ways where I've learned a lot from you is from having these long form conversations. And so uh, I just want to say, because it's the holidays and in the holiday spirit, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your friendship. And I'm, uh, I'm thankful to, to have uh, learned all these things that you have, uh, you have shared, shared with me. And I, I hope others can reach out to you and, uh, and get something, get something as well. Um, yeah. Well, to just bounce off of that, man, thank you for being you and pushing me um, and being, you know, an inspiration uh, as a friend and as a colleague. I really appreciate you. Thanks, man. Uh, any, any plugs you want to you wanna put in? I know you have your TikToks, your Twitch, uh, <laughs> Instagram, uh, any projects you want to plug? Just anything, take, take this time for, for whatever you want to you wanna put out there. Yeah, so um, Instagram, if you want to follow me, and uh, if you guys need anything from Instagram and Facebook, just search Jonah Price. Um, if you don't know who I am, you will definitely be able to figure that out. It's pretty easy. I look like I am if you're watching the video, and if you don't know, um, I am a... Um, of mixed race person. I'm the only of mixed race person up there that's named is Jonah Price. Um, <laughs> then Jonah Price TV on TikTok, Jonah Price on Instagram, and on my Twitch, we are working on a project called Newbie Memes. What we do is it's gamers that like to game but don't want to take it super seriously. So come in, join in a stream. Right now I'll be opening some Pokemon packs because that's that's what I'm doing right now. I love opening Pokemon packs and uh We'll be giving away some cards, sharing some cards. Uh, yeah, just 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 check it out. Check it out if you if you want. Um, thank you again, Carlos, for having me. Uh, those are my plugs. Uh, I am a social media coach. Uh, so if you have anything about that, you can also email me at jonahpricetv at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great holiday, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.